Each Sunday in Epiphany is supposed to give us a little epiphany to reveal something about Jesus. Today, the last Sunday before Lent, we get the epiphany to end all epiphanies. But this story has a backstory. Right before this happened, Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus then predicts his passion and death, which, Jesus, which Peter doesn't like. Then Jesus calls on anyone who would come after him to take up his cross and follow. And then he says, some standing here will not die before they see the kingdom of God. The very next scene that's described in all three of the Synoptic Gospels is the Transfiguration, even though it happens about eight days later. In other words, these stories are meant to go together. They, meant t they tell one message, they convey one message. Before Peter's confession, the focus is on Jesus' identity, who Jesus is. Afterwards, the focus is on discipleship, what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And the hinge that connects the two is Jesus' passion and death, which is why the transfiguration is not only a climactic moment in the Gospels, but it, it is such an important moment in the history of redemption. It combines all three of these things in one story. It shows us who Jesus is, it shows us what he came to do, and it shows us what it means to follow him. There's a remarkably rich amount of material in there about, that tells us who Jesus is from this passage. Um, and rather than go through in painstaking detail, um, I'm just going to focus on a couple. The first is that there are hints in several different places that we're supposed to see Jesus as the prophet like Moses, who was foretold. In the book of Deuteronomy, for instance, Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, and to him you shall listen. We're supposed to hear in this passage an echo of that. We have Moses' featuring in the passage, right? They're up on the mountaintop. It's a sort of new revelation, and we're told to listen to Jesus. This is the one to whom we're supposed to listen. So this is, we're supposed to make this connection. But whereas Moses revealed God's glory by reflecting it on his face, Jesus reveals God's glory by embodying it. And it's interesting to think of those two figures, Moses and Elijah. Um, on the one hand, they just can easily stand in for the law and the prophets. The whole Old Testament is bearing witness to Jesus. But it's also, if you remember, these are the only two figures in the Old Testament who had a special glimpse of God's glory on Mount Sinai. Both of them were hidden in the rock and they could see at different times, they could see the glory of the Lord passing by. And so they're essentially called on as witnesses in this scene to bear witness to that same divine glory in the face of Jesus. So Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Jesus is also God's son. We're supposed to be reminded, hopefully you were, of Jesus' baptism when you heard this passage. It's the same words that Jesus, that the divine voice spoke from heaven at Jesus' baptism. You are my son, or this is my son, my chosen one. And it's supposed to remind us of the significance of that event, that this was the anointing of Jesus for, as the Messiah, the anointed one, um, for his messianic mission, his mission of 
being the suffering servant who, who came to redeem God's people. So this is supposed to be in the back of our minds, prophet like Moses, God's unique son and Messiah. And this one is a little bit less on the surface, but it's equally important. I think it's actually the main thing that Luke is trying to convey. Jesus is the new tabernacle. Now that might sound strange. Jesus is the new tabernacle. The tabernacle, remember, was the, the movable tent. Before the, they had a temple in, in ancient Israel, they had a tabernacle, which was a big tent that they would take down and set back up whenever they moved from place to place as they wandered through the wilderness. And this was the place where God's presence was mediated. This is where you would meet God face to face, where Moses would meet God face to face. And it was that personal presence that took the form, if you remember, of the glory cloud, sometimes called the Shekinah glory or the presence of God. The language that's used in this passage is used to describe that special presence. Uh, the cloud of God's presence overshadowed the tabernacle in the wilderness. It overshadowed Mary at the Annunciation, and it overshadowed Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is Luke's way of saying Jesus is the new tabernacle, the place where we meet God face to face. It's kind of like in John's Gospel, we get in the beautiful prologue, we get that statement, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among, among us. That's actually what it says, tabernacled among us. This is Luke's visual depiction of what that means. Jesus is that new meeting place. So Jesus is the prophet like Moses, God's unique son, the new tabernacle. What did he come to do? Luke is actually the only gospel, the three synoptics all recount the transfiguration, but Luke is the only gospel that tells us what they were talking about on the mountaintop. And what they were talking about was Jesus's departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And of course, that's just a euphemism for death, right? Jesus' death that he was about to accomplish. We know the rest of the story, so we can kind of put the pieces together. But it's interesting that the word that they use there is not death or departure, it's actually exodus. They talk about the exodus that Jesus was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And this should obviously bring our minds right back to that same event in Old Testament history with Moses again, the exodus from Egypt, where God redeemed his people from slavery and formed them as his own. Using this language in this context makes the exodus in Egypt a prefigurement of Jesus's passion and death, through which he redeems his people from the greater bondage to sin and death and forms, again, around himself a new people. This is one way that we can get into our minds the fact that Jesus did not come to enlighten us or entertain us, to give us some tips on how to live well. He came to give his life as a ransom for many, to purchase our redemption. So that's where, who Jesus is and what he came to do. The passage also talks about what it means for us to follow him. This is intimately connected with what comes before. The voice from heaven, which echoes that voice in the baptism, it's, it, it says exactly the same thing, except it adds one thing, if you're paying attention. It says, listen to him. That's not in the baptism account. It is here, and we've already said one reason why that's there. It's to kind of connect Jesus with the prophet like Moses. But there's another reason. It's also an imperative in its own right. Listen to him. And this carries a force not like the English listen can sometimes carry, like 
like I might suggest for you to listen to a piece of music, and you might sort of have it on the background or you might not. Um, it has the sense of, uh, like when a father says to a child, listen to your mother, it means <laughs> listen and obey, right? That's the sense it has here. Um, the voice from heaven is saying, listen to what Jesus says and obey him. Um, and remember what Jesus has just said. This is, this is where the two passages come together. Jesus has just been talking about his upcoming death and passion, and then he immediately applies it to the life of discipleship, what it is to follow Jesus. So the voice is saying, unlike Peter, who was very uncomfortable with that, says, listen to what Jesus says about the life of suffering, his own death, his own suffering, but also how this applies to our own lives. In that passage, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Dying to, to live, that is paradoxical, but true. Life, our own lives, can be confusing. It doesn't always go according to our plans. Like Peter, we are often confused about how this experience or how that situation can fit into God's plan. In our Old Testament reading, even the reflection of God's glory on the face of Moses was too much for the Israelites to handle. Sometimes we can only take a little bit at a time, small steps. But our life in Christ is a response to the person and work of Christ, a response to who he is and what he has done for us. So as we approach the beginning of Lent and reflect on what it means to follow Jesus in our own lives, we may not always see clearly the path ahead. We may not understand the twists and turns along the way. But seeing God's glory in the face of Jesus, we can listen to him and obey.